Hello everyone and welcome to the Barrel Rollers podcast episode 7, the eSports special. And since it is the eSports special, we have returning brothers Chris and first time on the podcast, the wonderful Fusion John. It is an absolute pleasure and, and honor to, to have him joining us here today. And of course, my stalwart co-host will be 3591 here today ah you dirty rods hello everybody <laughs> um and and yes uh john don't don't be afraid to um uh, jump in at, at any time with some um some sounds and some vocals while we're recording video pure old comments are permitted yeah while we're recording video you know uh we do have people who um listen to this on spotify itunes i wonder if anybody's listening on google podcasts um <laughs> <laughs> I have. I've done oh, it. on Google Podcasts. Fantastic. I Google Podcasts, yes. Fantastic. But um, here we are again with the Barrel Rollers podcast. Um, and esports uh, is um, something that's uh, added so much depth uh, and a whole new dimension to, um, to what we do with the Barrel Rollers. And uh, none of it would have been possible without the... Um, combined efforts of, of Chris and, and John, um, both as uh, fierce and um, very competent competitors, um, and also in um, their administrative and, and organization organizational work, um, it also requires uh, managing and dealing with all kinds of personalities. Um, so you need a special touch, I think. Um, to, to, to handle it. You really do. You need to be a diplomat. You need to be Chris an executive on officer, a CEO. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you need to be a little bit more direct as well. <laughs> but, um, I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> I like directness. <laughs> but before we launch into that, as is tradition, on the Barrel Rolls podcast, the newbie gets a little bit of a hazing. <laughs> We got to know. There's things we must know, John. There are and things we must know. John, so over the secret vault time, <laughs> John. It's 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 getting close to a, a year since um since you arrived mm -hmm. on on the scene. Am, am I right in my um thinking there? Just over, I think. Just over, over. about a year. Yeah. yeah. Wow. How the time mm -hmm. flies, and and uh, while at once it seems like it was so long ago, at the same time it would it seems seems like it was just the other day uh, funny how that works yeah, absolutely <laughs> i know that's uh, that's yeah. that's life isn't it but uh, yeah it's been a fabulous year really really fabulous year i, I remember uh, i was uh, racing alone completely alone i had um no real point to it i just wanted to to take part in sim racing or uh, actually rallying i was more rallying than anything else and eventually i just thought i spent all these hours in front of my you know in my sim rig in front of the screen back then and then i got the headset and uh, I thought, well, for what? You know, I, 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 there's no real point to it. And eventually, I thought, what if I could stream it out? At least I would have people to chat to, and then somebody else could share in it, and whatever. So, since mm. so the stream started, so you created your Twitch account only a year ago? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't. I mean, like, I was aware of Twitch, obviously, but uh, you know, um, and I'm not a. I, I wasn't a person who watched Twitch or took part in Twitch at all. Mm. So I sort of logged on for the first time, checked it out, and I can tell you the stream I stumbled across. It was uh, it was Casual Kev, and I was just like, oh wow, <laughs> this is like twenty times more professional than I expected. It. <laughs> I thought, 
dude with the PlayStation and that was it. But no, casual Kev's, you know. So largely what I do is sort of based on that that initial impression of, of Kev's stream. Obviously, yeah, poor wow. copy now, but... <laughs> I mean, I, I I can I can absolutely relate. I mean, um, and 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 I I feel that you know um, uh, that that's uh, awareness when you start watching other people. You know, you, you put your stream out there first, and you go, oh, I wonder what other people are doing. Click click. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it, it is very enlightening. Um, so let's let's wind back um, because you're. you're Simrig is is a wonder to behold. Um, some it's an evolution, <laughs> lovely, lovely gear. But let's let's wind back to to, to where it all began. Um, oh, yes. How how did you, how did you end up uh, in sim racing even before the first Simrig? Um, you know, yeah. How how did that all happen? Was it was 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 there real life influence that led you to um, to, to to the sim yeah. racing? I think so. There's a frustration, a lifelong frustration that I never quite fulfilled in real life motorsport, what I would and could have, should have and would have loved to have done in 16 different lifetimes ago. Um, so, you know, a youth in kart racing, the, kart the, the racing. trophies beside me here, you know, and uh, for various reasons, you know, life moved on and whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess always loving motorsport from a kid growing up, watching it on TV back in the day when it was not cool and not fashionable. There weren't all these channels. It was really, really hard to catch up with motorsport. Oh, yeah. I actually watched BHP videos. I don't know if I can say that, but BHP videos uh, on VHS to watch uh, rallying and motorsport, like touring cars and whatever. Um, long after they'd actually been run, so um, so from that was the the, the, the beginning, and then uh, moving on to sim racing. Uh, obviously, I'm a, a gamer, you know, from the, the first Pong and all that type consoles, you know, the ZX Spectrums or whatever before nice. that, AC ones, I think they were all the way up to. So um, first PlayStation, first Xbox, I had all that, and I I think the first time I can pin the the tail on the you know on the donkey was to say that my uh, my wife actually bought me a uh, a wheel. On the PlayStation Two, I think it was a two, one or two. It was a grey PlayStation with yep. a lift-up circular. That's the PlayStation One. And, uh, PlayStation yeah. One is it? Okay. And, oh, uh, wow. and this, this steering wheel, it was kind of a steering wheel that had a T piece on the bottom, and it was quite a cool design because you could put your thighs over the yes. T piece to hold it down. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had that as my gift, and, and I was just like anything, you know. I mean, I don't know what was back then, but Need for Speed, kind of whatever was a game on PlayStation, I would buy it and race it with this wheel. And over the years, you know, went to a G25 Logitech and then, you know, we moved around the world a bit with work and it got shelved a bit. And then and then I remember I was in southern Sydney in a shop, a gaming shop once, and I, they just had on show on the floor a PlayStation, uh, sorry, a PlaySeat uh, Evolution with uh, some, some bits and pieces all over it, but a full-blown sim rig, effectively. And there was me still with this, like, G25 Logitech looking for a desk to stick it on. And I was just like, I've got to have this bad boy, you know. <laughs> I, I, I made two trips from one side of the city to the other the same day just to just to go and collect that, buy that sim, uh, and that was the placey, and then yeah, and Thrustmaster wheel and whatever. So uh, anyway, yeah, fascinating, John. Thank you. Cheers. Fascinating. Oh uh, crap. Um, well, that's really interesting, John. Uh, I didn't know you went all over the world. Oh yeah. Well, work. <laughs> and <laughs> works work. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing uh, Southern Sydney for, for for the Aussies out there, and and and, and particularly for the Sydney siders, you, you you know what it's like with, when a, when a band tours and and they say the name of of the town that they're playing in. Um, Southern Sydney. Am, am I thinking it was like the Gamesman? Was that the place? Yes, the Gamesman. The Gamesman. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But I, don't, I wasn't living anywhere near it, so it was a hell of a trek from where I was living to go oh, to yeah. the gamesman and back, and back to the gamesman and back. You know. Well, well, that's that, that's something as as well, like um, the accessibility of of everything um, back in the day. You know, uh, we had to hunt this stuff down. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, click, 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 and then it's going to be arrive at your door in in a day or two. It, well, not a day or Different two at the moment, now. but <laughs> now, you, now you pre-order and you wait. Um, but yeah, the, you know, it, it was it was a real event. Like even just tracking down, like like you were saying, the, the VHS videos. You know, whatever you could get, in whatever format you could get, from whoever yeah. you needed to talk to to get it. <laughs> it was like that, including parents to stay up for the one in the morning show that would be on, you know, rerun on TV yes. or something. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it it really was something else, and 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 the, those moments, um, you know, where where you would be physically somewhere and you'd see something for the first time because there was no other way you you could be aware of it. Um, mm. That that was that was really something else. But um, so the G twenty five arrived before you came to Sydney. Yeah, years ago when I sort of had that PlayStation wheel, then um, after a while I wanted to get a bit more pro level, so I, I became aware that Logitech had this G25, so I bought that, and I had it for many years, and uh, mm -hmm. this was back when I was uh, living and working in England, before I ever left the country, really, and uh, so that was great, it was fantastic, and the G25, was, I was a big fan of that wheel, and it moved around the world with me, and it was only oh. uh, actually last last year, after years and years of being packed away in this box, I dug it out and tried to make it work, but the the motors had a different opinion about life, so they called it a day. <laughs> so my son got treated to a new Thrustmaster wheel instead of my old. Oh, G25. fantastic! Fantastic. Yeah. So, so when when was it that you um you picked it up again? Um, uh, I would say I'd say I, I put it I sort of put the sim racing on hold. Uh, gosh, what would that be in 2012? When I moved in 2012 uh, to to Australia mm -hmm. with work. And uh, so I put the sim racing on hold then, and, and probably for a year or two, I mean, I was immersed in work for a year or two, and I didn't sure. even get the computer out. I didn't even have a computer or anything other than a work laptop. And then I got the, I, I, I bought I, I bought that sim rig out of the, the gamesman and put that part of a, an Xbox type setup, and then and then I thought that's not working, especially not in the lounge. <laughs> So uh, I moved it out of the lounge and set the old PC back up again, and and, and it was quite. Funny. I was just a quick story about the PC. It was quite funny because my PC was years out of date by then, and like, uh -huh. I kind of loved PCs and I built it myself, but it was old news. So I realised that I could get my old original CPU that was old news. I could uh, I could go buy another graphic card, which I did, and then the CPU. I found I could get some e-waste off of eBay for like a couple of bucks. E-waste, literally recycled old waste out of a server and dropped this server chip in and overclocked the hell out of this thing. <laughs> and so I had like 4.2 gigahertz out of this old server yeah. chip. It was a 2.5 gigahertz chip or something. And um, and I ran the games from that, uh, the sim racing from that. So. Where there's a will, huh? It, it, that that's what I love yeah. about hearing uh, on 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 you know on these sim rig stories because it it, it is challenging bringing it all together, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, you might be able to throw money at it, but sometimes that can't even solve it when there's accessibility yeah. problems or stock no problems. No guarantee that tossing money out is going to make it work. Uh -uh. Or <laughs> stuff just doesn't work. <laughs> and knowledge, knowledge and experience, mm. hours of research and understanding. So you've got to sort of put a toe in the water to get you know confident to put the leg in the water. It, it's it's you can't really just buy into it. I don't. Not you can, but not to completely. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> so we, we heard also about your um your introduction to Twitch. Um, yeah, I'm I'm 
like like for for my part, you know, I was sort of uh, made aware of streaming because I started looking for um, help with sim stuff, and that led me to YouTube, mm. and led me to YouTubers, and then finding uh, what they're, they're doing something live. This is obviously live. Okay, then there's live streaming on YouTube. Oh, oh people also go on this thing called Twitch. Was sort of like that. Was that was that is that indicative of, of your journey? Because you said you weren't really watching streamers before you, you started. I I have to be honest. Uh, uh, I think laziness put me onto Twitch, and I, I'll, I'll explain <laughs> that because for, for years for years I, I wanted to set up a YouTube channel for so many years, and you know what put oh, me off? Dear. It was it's, again this research, this lack of knowledge. It was the fact that I know graphics editing, video editing is a big thing, and I've got this kind of like I'm absolutely hopeless at that stuff. Uh, so the thought of shooting video, you know, B-roll, face, you know, camera, and all that stuff, and and put together a finished, polished video. The thought of it, the work involved, and to do that three, four, what, five times a week sometimes if you want to make a very, mm -hmm. a very successful YouTube channel, uh, it just, it just, I couldn't face it. So for a couple of years, I was just sort of sitting on this project. I know I should do it, but, you know. And then suddenly Twitch came along and I thought, well, if that's a live stream, who cares about that stuff? <laughs> Nobody's going to care. It's a live stream. So <laughs> that's kind of yourself how it, out there. It's what oh you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Warts and all. Yeah. <laughs> common, common thread, common theme, I think. Um, it, it was laziness that sort of brought to Twitch as well and streaming <clears throat> it, it, and, and that whole um, intimidation factor of, of video editing um, yes which is a part of Twitch anyway as I found out down the road but yeah <laughs> but it, and a lot of folks enter Twitch from their console because I mean you're sitting there on your yeah, console you, you don't have all of this rig around you typically with a console and you've got a very simple button broadcast push that left button and broadcast boink you're there you're yeah. just instantly on <laughs> talk about lazy. <laughs> a lot of barriers of, t of entry are taken away though like yeah that, and it's, it's a good thing yeah. i think mm. yeah it is a fantastic thing um and so then obviously you you you, you were saying you start off with karting in real life mm -hmm. and um you know sim racing sim driving gives us accessibility to, to more than than uh, what we can in 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 real life um, and, and actually that that doesn't matter who you are just just the you know accessibility of jumping in any car and and, and going oh today I want to to go to Laguna Seca um, and ten minutes later I'm uh, I, I'm, I'm off at Silverstone and uh, yeah. another 20 minutes later, I'm down at Bathurst. You know, that, that's And impossible. what car do I feel like driving yeah. today? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. magic. It's the wonder of sim racing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the why I went down the, the rabbit hole with immersion so much. Because sure. uh, uh, the thought to be able to just choose a car and experience it in, in as much... Uh, detail as possible uh, it sort of you know shelved any project car I might have had I thought of oh would I have a project yep. car in the garage which car would I buy now I can almost <laughs> I can simulate most any car <laughs> indeed um, but how did that how did you end up in rally specifically do, do you have a, a background in, in loving rally and, and be, having that interest yeah uh-huh yeah absolutely i mean those bhp videos with the group b cars and all that stuff that was right. the era i was growing up and and the, the the always the thing that inspired me excited me was the sight of a rally car full-blown flat chat on tarmac i mean dirt dirt rallying is great obviously you know everyone loves a gravel rally what's what could be better than a run through wales but 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 really it's the tarmac the extreme 
uh, I, I look at Ari Vatanen in the Mark II Escort. You've only got to watch him on the Isle of Man. That's just ridiculous. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Dear so God. Exciting. Is that, is that yeah. what is <laughs> that coach? That's it, the Terry Harriman Dear moment. God. <laughs> okay, oh, good. So good. Wonderful, John. And I think the um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap that up by asking about the name Fusion John. <laughs> What's the origin of this? Because it, it is interesting. And, yeah. and actually, we need to talk to Chris about this because we missed Chris. Chris has been on. This is your third uh, time? Uh, I think this is your third thing? time on. Or maybe even third fourth time. time. Third time at least. We, uh, we, we, we missed him? this with you. So, so, so we'll, we'll start with John, right. but then, no, then we're going to circle back to Chris. All right. You're on deck, Chris. We're going to have to repeat. I'm sure I said it. <laughs> When I so, say it, you'll go, so, oh, yes. <laughs> John? <laughs> so Fusion John, how did that come about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, it's a, I'd love to give you this beautiful, exciting story about this whole background, but really it's not at all. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was younger, I was the, the elder of some, a group of people who used to game together. Um, so some, some younger family members, um, teenage family members, when I was in my 20s, uh, they would game and I would like, it was Halo back in the day, for it was, Halo. Right, that was the Halo days, you know. So we would game on, Galo, uh, on Halo, sorry, and uh, you know, I'd be playing, and, but I'd had to have some sort of gamer tag or something. You, you have to call yourself something. And the first three or four iterations were, I mean, I don't even remember them. They were beyond lame. And I tried to think of a cool name. I, I just couldn't come up with anything. I have no creativity. I have zero creativity. And somehow, after three or four failed attempts, I stumbled across Fusion John, thought, that's not as bad as any of the others, and I just couldn't be bothered to change it ever nice. since, which is why I use it across everything. <laughs> nice. No, oh, it's a great name. It's a perfect handle. It <laughs> works fine, and you, you haven't yes. had to, um, you know, try to push past that creative block since not now <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that so much um mm. you know these um I, I, I might have said this before but uh, you know I, i've got a background as a gamer as well and uh, any of these games where you've got to name your character um <sighs> that's normally one of the big causes of me not finishing a game because i get stuck on that screen and i stare at it then I exit the game and I uninstall. <laughs> to come back. I can't. I can't. I've name done that. The character. I have done that. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and Chris, no, no. So Chris, I think you've told me offline. All right. But we okay. need it. We need it recorded. All right. For the good people in in, in listening to the podcast, right. um, who, who have have yet to pull pull us up on the fact that we missed the origin of your name, but it needs to be done. Well, okay, it's very similar stories to everybody's really. It's from a gaming background. Uh, I used to play when computers came out and you could play online computer games. Call of Duty 2 was one of the first games where Ooh. speeds were acceptable to play, even though it might, you might have had to wait 50 minutes to download a map, but it was worth it 50 minutes, <laughs> which you could do in about two or three seconds now. But 2006, uh, me and my brother Jules, we used to play together, we used to love this game, and we had, I had sons as well. I think one was a teenager and one was about nine or ten. And we had computers in the house because we loved computers. And uh, basically we just started playing, as John did, with his family, me, my me, me brother, my two sons. And just the people came and uh, we said, oh, we need to start a clan, or we need to start a clan, because clans are a bit like what Twitch now is now. Yes. People 
the get clans. together. Commun- communities get together, and that's what a clan was 10 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago. So you had to recruit. And yeah, I think, remember, X Fire. You just recruited on X Fire. That was it. Oh, X Fire. Well, yeah. Anyway, so. Cross, uh, what's the think best of a, pronounce it? Crossfire? I always said no, X Fire. I think it's X Fire. Anyway. I heard it both ways. Yeah. So, anyway, so we just thought, well, let's think of a clan name. And we thought, well, me and Joe are brothers. There we go. Done. Brothers. Like <laughs> certain nice. brothers' clans. So, that when we name it, so every time we have tags in his clan, we're always brothers Chris, or brothers Jules, or brothers John, or brothers Wolf, or brothers Rain. If you were in our clan, you picked a name as long as nobody I'd in call there. myself Brothers Rain. Brothers Rain, yeah. yeah. I would. I'd be proud to call myself a, bro- a Brothers Wolf. Yeah. Brothers Wolf. <laughs> it works well with Wolf, doesn't it? It does. But what, so that's but what it all stands for. And like you, you said earlier, Rain, always trying to think of a name when you play a new game or you go into a new format. And like John's got, I think it's quite important as a streamer or something you should seriously, seriously think about is your name. And if you do want to move forward within the sort of social media side and the, the streaming, you have to think of a name. Even to all the personal details where you've got all your personal details, like on Facebook, my my name all across all formats is Brothers Chris. Yeah, and uh, that, I'm not sure it helps. I'm not sure it helps, no. but it helps me personally. It's 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 part of the the whole branding concept, you know, to, hmm. to have that consistency across. Um, all the platforms where where you need to be identified it just helps to remove any doubt that you are you or somebody's found somebody else um it it, it actually is huge um uh, because of establishing my name many years ago uh people from my past who i want to have found me. I mean, I mean, it's 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 not great if, if you if you want to hide from your past and, and you don't want to follow <laughs> you around. But but no, it's it's been very positive. Um, uh, the the example being PJ Churney. Um, we knew of each other uh, back in uh, the days of Forza Horizon Two on the Forza uh, Horizon and Forza Motorsport Six um, boards. And uh, of course, he moved on and and uh, became the um, uh, community manager, um, social media manager for Dirt Rally Two. And uh, you know, we had that moment of, of recognition. He was like, I, "I know your name from somewhere," and I said, "Remember Fort's days?" And he was like, "Yes, of course." So uh, it, it it's um, it was very very um, uh, fortuitous. Um, you, know, you, you you never know how things will play out i guess so it, it's it's great but chris quick just just quickly returning back to your name wasn't there another influence that you were talking about a certain show for your yes name? there was it was quite mm-hmm. ironic actually the reason why we did think of brothers as well is because of band of brothers had just been released out and yes. it was just oh, such oh, such man. an awesome great epic show piece of cinematography Oh, it was. Yep. It was. Anyway, so, watch, yeah. And it's quite ironic it you mentioned it because one of the rules to join the clan was you can't join unless you've seen Band of Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a quiz. We, yeah, we used, to have, we used to have questions on three or four questions on Band of Brothers. 
<laughs> but, in, but in the days before live stream TV, that was quite a harsh entry thing if you hadn't watched it. How do you get the How do you get the back catalogue to watch it? <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Indeed. Yeah. Well, well, nowadays as well, you have the quiz, and and of course Google will provide the answers. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's sort of consult the book of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, guys, and. Um, so, it, amazingly, um, you know, we, we talk about the, the accessibility um, of uh, sim of, of of driving simulators and, and racing simulators um, to get in and, and, and experience, you know, getting behind the wheel of, of these um, uh, wonderful cars. But I, I would put forward that um getting into a uh uh into a more competitive more organized um racing experience is nowhere near as as straightforward um stress-free um or you know uh as um or quite as accessible as, as people might imagine. I mean, it's certainly, I, I would say it's more imaginable, uh, it's more accessible than real life. When I think about what oh, 100%, 100%. the requirements for real yeah. life, um, you know, there's, there's the um, requirement of, of having a car, there's, there's a requirement of the am amount of uh, financial backing one would require. There are travel requirements to get to, physically get to the, the tracks. To, um, to to take a weekend off and go travel with with a car with with mechanics you know all, all of that sort of thing it, it is huge I, I, I looked into when, when back in 2012 when when I got my um, my Renault Sport Megane the one thing I really wanted to do with it was tarmac rallying but then I, I, I looked at you know being in Australia I, I looked at what what it would be like to go tarmac rallying and, and number one the transport costs of a car you know just getting the car to the event when it's it's uh, you know a thousand kilometers away 800 kilometers away i just thought jeez and then i've got to get it back the time requirement you know uh how am i going to carry all my spares up with me all of that sort of thing you know it's it's not it's not i need a spare i, I tap a button three times and then i've got the spare on the on, on the car done it's it, it's it's not, not like that at all um but still um I think organized esports is, is a far cry from loading up a game going oh where's a multiplayer at click click i'm i'm in um mm. it, it it's something more even as as good as i racing um you know the, the structure it provides even as good as any of these other uh, uh games are or sims are um organized esports is is something else um Chris and, and John, I, I, I might throw the ball over to you guys um, because you, know, you guys have that real competitive spirit. Um, how, about, um, how about you guys let me know about sort of early experiences with um, trying to get into organized uh, esports? 
It's something I wanted to do for a while, I can tell you. I wanted to do that for a, a long time. Um, I think that was one of the reasons, actually, we're going into Twitch, if I'm honest. It's just one of the perhaps lower-level reasons was, right. was just to try to get an involvement in esports. I had this idea that esports teams were top-flight teams and nobody could get in. It was like a bit like real-life sure. motorsport. I didn't realise there were varying levels of esports, you know, varying entry points. So uh, I think it was through the Barrel Rollers Discord. There used to be the esports channel before. I don't think it was incredibly popular or maybe it had been in the past and had gone quiet for a while. But uh, but certainly there was an there was an esports channel and um yeah you know that i think was my sort of entry into it and uh yeah i i think it was starting to discover things doing a bit of research and finding out there's actually some very accessible and approachable uh leagues out there to, to jump in with um and i know back then chris and i both sort of kicked around some ideas. I mean, Chris is always fantastic with ideas. I, I usually have zero. Chris has a thousand, <laughs> and so he, he's absolutely fantastic in sort of coming up with ideas in the first place. So we, we very much took a few months to research, 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 and find it out, do th- some things, and get involved in some some events, and find out where we were uh, personally as drivers, but also where we where we were in terms of organisation. And um, yeah, those those that sort of R and D time really was what nine months ago, nearly best part of a year ago, yeah. Chris. I think. And, I think um, you are. It was one of our main uh, mainstays, wasn't it? We had we have to research yeah. everything before yeah. we uh, could install it into the battle rollers. That was our yeah. long term we plan. We were jumping into as many events as we could with little prep for each one, just to experience them and see what was going to work for as a recommendation for other people and not just ourselves. So um, I think I, I think I remember <laughs> I remember the first time I ever got involved in any sport was Chris invited me to join him and uh, a team for AOR. It was uh, AOR. Chris Myvokes um, for the AOR League. And uh, I actually was uh, was working down in London that day and I was in an e- a McDonald's in London when I got the, uh, the text message about that one. So yeah, funny the things you remember. Um, <laughs> but that was the first. <laughs> that was the first. And then from there, we were onwards and upwards. Uh, but these days, I have to say, Chris does 95% of all the organisation. He's an incredibly well-organised man. And uh, I, I, I sit back and marvel at the, uh, the work that Chris does in terms of keeping everyone, because we've got quite a, quite a crew now, quite a lot of people involved mm-hmm. with the, yeah, the, the various organizations and uh, it's fantastic so yeah how Chris keeps track of it all I do not know he's wonderful <laughs> logistics director Chris yeah well <laughs> logistics is my forte that's something I'm probably good at I'm driving faster <laughs> <laughs> driving faster yeah. yeah I'm always I'm always trying to think how to organize things I do overthink sometimes that's why I always sometimes uh, ask other people first I'm not overthinking here am I it's quite easy to overthink Yes, especially in, especially in logistics, I always have a sort of theory that there could be twenty five solutions and all twenty five could be correct, but mm-hmm. you've just got to pick the right one that suits you best. Yeah, we've added down. So, so AOR so, was the first one that you guys um, ran. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think initially we wanted to get involved with esports, and then we first of all wanted to see how they were organised, what the admin was like. You know, was it worth it? Was it rewarding? Because obviously, doing some esports, I think there was a couple we did, and we just we just felt that no, we don't, they're not good, not rewarding. People don't seem bothered. Because you do get a lot of feedback in esports from the people who organise them, which is uh, very very important for sure. But yeah, going back to esports, I started the same time as John. And I think that was the first esports I did as well, John the AOR. So that was sort of just an on-the-spur organisation. Yeah. But yeah, we did enjoy that AOR, okay. and that's one of our top uh, esports. Yeah. 
That's right. one of the top esports yeah. events. The, the, we do, AOR just started this week, and uh, we've got probably two out of the top four or five fastest people in the world involved in the league that me and John are in. It's quite daunting mm. and frightening. <laughs> probably going to that. There's got to be a little bit of stress going on there when you guys are going head-to-head against some of the best in the world. I, I can't imagine. No. I, I don't think I can manage it. That's yeah. why I'm an amateur. I'm in JRC3, and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> JRC3 is good. There's five tiers, so JRC3 is good. It's a very competitive tier. Um, and again, but no, you guys making it accessible to amateurs like myself and the rest of our community, and you have made it incredibly easy for somebody who just has a, a passing interest in esports to, to dip their toe in the water. I, I can't thank you guys enough for offering this up. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, JRC really, really suits the type of uh, community we do hold. It's really good. Five leagues, even their top leagues, really, really tough. Yeah. Just as an example, yeah. Just an example. I think me and John have got good pace with most people in JRC, but Mm. if you just make one mistake in the whole ten stages, you're not in top three, and that's a fact. Yeah. One mistake. Two mistakes and you're out. Two mistakes and you're not in top ten. Yeah. That, that's a fact and so so you've just got to make going to the mentality of it, it is it, it's tough you've just got to let things just go over your head all the time and I do anyway I don't know how John approaches it but you yeah, just I mean, can't let it get to in, you in rally racing right it's very stressful <coughs> as you say one little mistake can happen I, I mean a split second and suddenly you're off the top <laughs> uh, well, give an example. stress is something um Stress is something I have to, to, to keep an eye on in, in life. You know, I'm not 23 anymore. I do have to keep an eye on stress. And uh, I found rallying is manageable. I can manage stress in rallying because it is you're, you're on your own against the clock. And I found ACC, for example, because our barrel rollers, we've now got a uh, very com- extremely competitive <laughs> GT series in ACC. <laughs> I sort of have a, have a dabble at that and also the iRacing. And when you're racing other people, that's where the stress is the most difficult to manage. In, in rallying, as long as you don't take it to heart, don't take it too personally. Everyone makes mistakes. You know, if you just get that little bit uh, grown-up attitude <laughs> that you're going to screw up sometimes, um, the stress is manageable. Yeah. And that's really good about esports as well, especially when you're forming teams, mm. because esports is mainly an individual event. You're there for yourself, really. And yep. teams is just sort of a little back burner, which helps the morale and keeps the communities together. And obviously, if you win it, it's nice. <laughs> It helps you compete, though, if you're not feeling up yes, to it. If you're really not correct. feeling like it, why should I compete? Well, because I've got teammates to represent. And so there's, there's that aspect as well. That, that's that's the primary reason that I, I am yet to um, make that commitment is uh, I, I don't want to let anyone down. Um, and, and not because of my performance, which... You know, I think that could let people down, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it is the, the commitment level of, of, of um, you know, knowing that I, I have X number of stages that I, I'll need to drive for the team and um, just not finding the time for it. Um, that is something I, that, that concerns me. It, it, it does concern oh. me, but I, I mean, I I, I'd, I'd love to, to, to do it. I think... I have a competitive side of it that I have uh, done my best to try to manage just like I try to manage my stress levels. Um, because my competitive side can both bring out the best in me and the absolute worst in me. And it's more of the, the latter that I'm trying to uh, not make itself apparent, I guess. 
<laughs> from from a young just, age. Keeping an even keel. I'd just yeah. to make it even worse. Worse, everybody, is that when you get to the top leagues, which me and John are in quite a few, you have to do it in one sitting, and you have to record yeah. one sitting. Yeah. One sitting, and and between races, you can't have a bigger break than a few minutes, maybe a toilet break. That's it, because obviously they check everything. What what is the sports. reason for this requirement? Uh, because of practice, because if you were to do a couple of stages, then jump out, you could practice the hell out of the next two stages, go in and do just those two stages, jump oh. back out, and it makes it artificial. Whereas rallying, and this is another, this is one of the wonderful things about rallying, you, you, you take on a stage with just the pace notes. I mean, even that's an advantage, but you know, you, you in theory have not driven that stage before, potentially. The, the one time you did the pace note creation was the only time you drove that stage before. So that's, that's the great thing about rallying, and all of that's gone if you can practice it a thousand times before you run it. Completely yeah, agree. Do, do, do these leagues put up other rules in terms of equipment you can use, limitations on, on the no. vehicles that are used? No? Just assists, that's all. But what mm. assists you have, they, they put limitations right. on what assists you use, that's all. Mm. Right. But you can yeah. use a controller or a steering wheel or whatever. I, mm. Well, for example, in the AOR at the moment, this new season which just started last week it's cop in the top league it's cockpit only you have to record all the stages yeah. uh you've got to have your lighting settings between a level because obviously night racing with yeah. your, with your brightness on full is cheating yeah so there's right. certain certain levels of stuff like that to be checked and i so they're also that. recording because they want to make sure you're not doing illicit cuts as well as yeah there's the cuts yep. exactly three um. wheels three wheels always on the track usually get away with two Oh really? Yeah. The edge of two. That's probably <laughs> this much probably, at the edge of two. I think if you ever watch me and On, John or anybody who's involved in the wait, top end esports, just watch them. We'll wait. never ever leave the track. Mm. Ever. Hang on. Hang on, so, so that's in on the rally stages, not not rally cross. Yeah. Rally stages. No, rally stage. They're watching yeah. how many wheels you're keeping on the track? Yep. What they do yeah. is they'll, they'll watch it in fast forward times four times <sighs> eight fast or forward, times okay. sixty. Still yeah. god. Yeah, oh my because if oh. yeah, because you, there's there's start, there's times when Phil, you know, the co-driver in Dirt Rally Two, Phil will read out cut. If he reads cut, go for it. But he doesn't read it very often, and if he doesn't <laughs> read it, you can't believe in the track. Damn! <laughs> oh man, there's many places where you can cut that Phil doesn't yes. speak about. Usually, usually in esports, they usually just get a warning. For, I've had a warning. It was in my first esports in AOR, and I'll tell you the one. You know the sort of. In the USA, the hay bales, the big long U-turn, it's quite bumpy. You know where I mean. Oh, there. So yeah. I was coming one way, and I just went out, and I went onto the grass, and all four wheels just made it to the grass. I just got a warning that time, which Whoa. did help me. Actually. No real intention. No intention. Whoa, yeah. so hang the, on. That's that's not even a like I I I wouldn't consider that cutting a corner. You've extended the track. Yes. You haven't cut the corner. But I'm going faster. <laughs> Damn. Yeah so, so, yeah, so that's another thing me and John look for and what feedback we got from certain esports. We do like the sort of marshalling of esports do like that because it's quite easy in Dirt Rally 2 to, well, yeah. you just, just have to Google it, don't yeah. you, the cuts. Uh, are <laughs> you guys still have an eye to other organisations out there or are you... Are you always, always, yeah. This I, season, I, right now, we've, we've jumped into two completely new, completely new esport leagues this season that good. we haven't done before as an exploration again so it's all we're always looking well, out i imagine you're getting some invites extended to you as well i mean participating in, in the top leagues um, you're making your names known naturally i'm turning uh, down invitations five times a day. <laughs> sure, that's what i'm talking about see right there he's a celebrity my god john 
Uh, no, I wish. I wish. <laughs> I'm sick of sending them back. <laughs> <laughs> reject, reject. Talk to my agent. Time goes. Yeah. <laughs> now, have you guys? Uh, are you thinking about maybe expanding I into circuit racing for for esports, or does maybe not well, a good fit necessarily for for a rally guy? It's something I, I gave. I gave thought to it for a while, but I have to say I backed away from that. And I know Chris isn't mad on, on circuit racing anyway. Right. Yep. Yeah. As you said before earlier Rally. in the podcast, it's it's very stressful mm. indeed. Yeah. But extremely mm. so circuit race circuit racing does help your rallying for sure. Oh yeah. For sure. I'm I'm a big proponent of cross training skills because, uh, in in particular, because in a different um, uh, discipline. Uh, it will emphasize uh, different skills and different techniques more. So, for instance, um, if if you practice drifting, then you spend a lot more time initiating slides, going sideways, and getting out of a slide and getting a feel for that. A lot more time doing that than you do in rally, because you're trying to grip in rally for the most part and you know, the, the slide is just something you do to help with rotation and the like. What that means is if you're just rallying, you're not getting a lot of time practicing doing this kind of thing. When you're drifting, you're only pretty much practicing, you know, initiating, holding and getting out of a slide. So if you do that cross-discipline practice, it sort of becomes muscle memory because you've been practicing in drifting. You, you come back to rally, it happens and the muscle memory kicks in. You don't even have to think about it. Um, I never. Absolutely. I used, to, I used to watch drifting, and I used to think, "What are they doing? What are they doing?" Next, watched for five seconds. After doing rallying, I'm, I'm, I want to get into drifting now because I do. You do actually. I, I, I do realise <laughs> that the weight control, the control. Mm. I think drifting gives you so much control of a car. So I think I, I'm after that control of drifting and sliding and. Getting all that if you've only ever done circuit racing, um, you get a fear of drifting. You have a fear of the car getting sideways, getting yeah. away from you, and you panic, react, and you don't you don't hold the you don't expect the slide, and when it comes, you sort of reacting to it rather than uh, than coping with it properly. So I think anything that gives you experience of the of a drift and holding a drift and knowing when it's going to let it let go and not being afraid of it is is uh, an advantage. Yeah, like like if it, it, to to tie that into it, a circuit um, uh, circuit racing scenario if you're able to save a slide and just make it into a bit of a wiggle you know that could save you from an excursion into a wall which means you're in the pits which means you know your your position just boom, 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 drops down or maybe you might even need to retire um you know so so it, it's all of all of those hours you spent in another discipline completely that save you and and help your position it, you know you you might have you know, a, a whole string, a whole season of races where you never, you know, I don't know who you are if you're, if you're doing this, but you never lose control of a car once. <laughs> not trying hard <laughs> that enough. fantasy scenario. Um, <laughs> so you might not need to draw on that skill, but if it just saves you one race, you know, then, then it's, it's paid itself off. You never know when John it's going to be think, needed. Yeah, I think John pointed out right at the beginning, it's all about knowledge. Just having yeah. that knowledge and how to, you know, Put that knowledge out properly. Yeah, and, 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 right. 
Sorry, Wolfie, go ahead. Have you, have you guys considered uh, Rallycross uh, in, in the world of esports? I know it's brutal. It's absolutely vicious I, out there. I did a season with the WERC community. I did uh, their Rallycross, and we just actually had the Race of Champions in January as a wash-up after last year's season. Um, I did the Rallycross as an exploration thing to see whether or not, again, like every other esport, whether it's suit us or not. Uh, and... I have to say I didn't personally enjoy it and it, uh-huh. um, I, I did the whole season. If I ever commit to, this is something I wish more people would do. If I commit to an eSport thing, if I commit to a season, I'm going to do the season whether I love it or not. I'm right. going to do it because I said I would do it. And at the end, I'll jump out and say, thank yes. you, I had a great season, but that's me, I'm done. And that's what I did last year with the Rallycross. Uh, yeah. I say that about other people because some people jump in, give you full commitment, two, three events, and then they jump out and, yeah. then, and you've perhaps on an empty car or an empty slot or something Um, but either way yeah the rallycross I didn't think it was for me and uh, the uptake of interest in others hasn't been particularly high in our community but who knows maybe yeah I I probably agree with that assessment (laughs) rallycross is is a is a brutal combination of of rally and circuit racing right and drift control the 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 different uh, surfaces that you're on and of course the aggressiveness <laughs> of yeah, your competitors—it's—it's—it's uh, yeah. it's, it's almost uh, acceptable to go ahead and bump somebody in in RX. It's—it's it's it's so few laps, yeah. so few yeah. laps. The 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 circuits are so brutally short. Sharp turn after sharp turn after sharp turn. A grippy surface onto loose <laughs> surface onto grippy surface on, and here's a jump, and oh wow. Um, yeah. RX is so intense. Uh, it, it, I, I think it's it's a very particular type of of person that um, gets drawn into it enough uh, to yeah. to want to pursue it because um, you know he, you don't get a lot of chances. Um, well, yeah. there's not there's not <laughs> many so uh, yeah, there's not many RX esports because people just fall out with each other. You lose yeah. friends yeah. in RX. Quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, live lobbies, you know, getting everyone together in a live lobby with the various ping rates, connection issues, it's just a, a real chore. Ping rates, uh, you know, locales, time zones, mm. uh, rules, cross platform, stewardship. stewardship, all of that stuff. It, it, it is immensely challenging. So, so I, have, I have the utmost respect for um, the, the people who do commit to that. Um, Yes, like, like like you said, John, it's it's it, it's it's only for uh, certain personality types, uh, I, I would say. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, where, where was I gonna uh, return to? Um, yeah, uh, an interesting thought I had. Well, interesting for me. I hope you guys find it interesting. Um, we were talking about the accessibility of sim racing um, at the very start of a podcast, and uh, I think that also ties in to um, the kind of rules that we end up seeing in um, sim racing. I think this is, this is very broad because um, the accessibility means that um, if we take, cir- take, take into account circuit racing, <clears throat> I would say the Nordschleifer is the one circuit out of all of them that I've done the most laps around. It would be, it would be thousands of laps of a Nordschleife I've done well. over the last 20 plus years, uh, or how, however long. Considering uh, the length of the circuit, that's a, that's a time commitment. <laughs> how's yeah, my that math? That would be me as well. Uh, yeah. 
I absolutely love Nordschleifer. When did when when would I have gotten access to the Nordschleifer? I don't even know what it time? is. <laughs> Thirteen miles of the Eiffel Mountain to Eiffel. I, I, I did. Uh, Gran Turismo <laughs> Four might have been the first place I got access to it. So when was GT? Yep, yeah, Gran Turismo was it for me as well. No. So that would have been uh, two thousand and five. Okay, so not so sixteen years. Sixteen years. I, I've I've had access to it and. Um, yeah, uh, just so many laps around there that um, it skews, um, you know, what 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 my skill level probably should be in real life, um, and you know you, you find that you find the level of competition because of just how many laps an individual can put around a circuit. I mean, you, you give somebody a two week lead time and they've got spare time. And you tell them, all right, we've got a race at this track with these cars. The amount of laps a person can put in in two weeks on that track, it, it, you know, it, it's amazing the, the amount of improvement one can have in that time if you just session it. Uh, Two times everything. Yeah, we have the same thing in rally, <clears throat> right? In in a, in a real rally stage. Uh, and, and this this originally attracted to me uh, attracted me to to uh, rally. Um, <clears throat> it was this progression, Nordschleifer, because it was a long track that I hadn't memorized all of the turns yet. Because me, when I when I cut laps around a track and I session a track over and over and over, you get into a good flow, but it can get hypnotic, and you're just doing the same line through the same corners. And you realize you just do, you've just been doing the same thing over and over and over and over. So I was like, "Oh, Nordge Life, a long track. I'll for, I, I won't remember where I am. I'll forget wh which part of a track is, and, and it'll be a constant surprise. Oh, oh, whoa! I don't, don't realize where this corner is going. But that faded after doing many, many laps around. I'm like, okay, well, what's the next thing? Well, it's point to point racing, right? And so I I, I looked for. I think I found a set of courses allowed me to do some point to point on mod tracks and, uh, and, and and hill climbs and the like dirt rally one with a hill climb I'm like yes this is the sort of thing that I like you know yeah sure 12 kilometers uh, 16 kilometers point to point I'm not going to memorize that anytime soon you, you do you do you spend enough time going down that same 16 kilometer stretch you end up memorizing it um, you end up finding you do the that, stages in dirt rally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can you can turn the the pace notes off after a while because you 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 know the tracks after a while if you practice it enough. And and exa exactly what you were saying, the reason that these esports um, uh, events have these you know strict moderation um, is to preserve that that spirit and and not let the people who have enormous amounts of spare time you know. T really take advantage of that um, but but it is it is challenge uh, for for any organization you know and 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 uh, also personally I guess the competitiveness versus say the immersion side of things you know there's constant debates about should you be allowed to be on the hood cam or must you be in the cockpit cam there are reasons you know valid reasons that people would want to be on the hood um, versus the um, cockpit but then there are advantages they get as well um it's it's a really 
tough thing to, to tackle, I think. Um, there was a, an interesting controversy when the Solbergs did the Solberg rally. You know, yeah, the, right. In the, one of the lockdown phases, um, the Oliver Solberg uh, did the rally um, uh, celebrity event, uh, him and uh, his father, uh, Petter. And um, there was controversy because they had a full-blown Simrig uh, yep. steering wheel and used chase cam. Chase cam. Chase cam, watching the car from behind on screen, and that was uh, really quite something. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't understand how that was faster, and you could see Peter was struggling with that as well. You know, similar generation. You, why would you yes. watch your car in front of you when you could be in it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there are both the the challenges with with doing these things, but if you can overcome those challenges, there are advantages to be um, to be raked in as well. Um, and and it's 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 it is this um, challenge of accessibility, I think, um, because you you provide these things for people so that a broader range of people can access, right? So so you provide good controller support. You let people drive outside of the car because not everyone can have triple monitors or VR or. or ultra wide screen some people still have a very narrow screen and it's like well like i can't see anything so i i, I need to find a view where i can see you appropriately oh well well i remember the solberg said something along the lines of in real life we can feel the g-forces um so we are clued in on the weight transfer before it happens um the best way they could feel the weight transfer uh, was to go to an external cam and to observe the body of a car. That was the rationale. And again, it's 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 accessibility. You you don't want to you don't want to say, oh well, buy, buy a motion rig and get butt kickers. You know, spend spend you know a couple thousand uh, so that you can and, and and you don't have to cheat. And then, but then the counterpoint to that is like, well, then it's sort of like pay to win in in a way. You know, people who can't afford it uh, get get denied access to um, to to uh, this uh, feedback. Um, it it is always a, a tough line to walk, and uh, you can get some fairly heated opinions, very strong opinions. I'm really curious, actually, about VR, uh, where it comes oh. to e-racing. Would you guys say that the top competitors are all VR racers? Uh, I can tell you one top competitor <laughs> is a VR racer. Jonathan Schaefer is uh, in my channel quite a lot. We, ch we talk quite regularly, and he's, a, he's got the Valve Index VR headset, and he races cockpit cam VR. But then again, if you look in JRC, the fastest people every time are always on controller, TV screen and the controller. It, it, so, it seems yeah. like, so from a amateur, not, not really, um, you know, um, knowledgeable about VR, it seems to me that it would be an advantage <laughs> to, well, look, to well, be a, wearing VR. It's a good question, Wolvie, but out of the uh, top 100 best drivers in the world, there won't be more yeah. than five that wear VR. They'll be all bonnet cams, low graphics, because when you need to get to that top end, mm. you, you, you cross a line where you start to push everything then because you need to be at the top end and crossing the line is using as many advantages to yourself as possible to win right. and you've crossed that line then and that's something that me and John have talked about we'll never ever cross that line ever 
It's it's interesting. Um, We're too old anyway. <laughs> <laughs> too, start, too much stress. <laughs> yeah. You start talking about uh, competitiveness, right, and getting the competitive edge, and and it is absolutely true um, that if what you want more than anything else is to win, you know, then you should be using every competitive edge you can get and that's that's where i think the true origin of the um of the phrase uh it's it's only cheating after you've been caught sort of uh comes to play because a, a lot of that stuff has its origins in the gray areas right it's like well you said this but you didn't say anything about that um so you know i, I didn't think it was cheating you know, and, and you see They're it. Famous in Formula One. You see it all over motorsports. Formula One, right? You, you, you see all of this stuff. It's like, well, you, you didn't say uh, what, you know what, what the Tyrrell fan car, for instance. You know, oh, there's yeah. nothing in the rules yeah. about saying we can't have you know a dynamically operated fan that sucks the car down into the um, into the ground. It's good innovation. Yeah, it's innovation, um, and and it isn't cheating until a rule comes up that explicitly says no, 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 no. That, that actually is cheating, right there. Just because nobody else thought of it doesn't mean it's against the spirit. Um, but but it is. It really is is like that. I, I I see multiple examples up and down and up and down um, throughout history. And and a lot of these things you don't find out until years after the fact. But it's too late. It's too late already. Um, for instance, uh, when I was um, a member of, of the, um, the New South Wales uh, Nissan Skyline Club, it, it has its origins in, in being an official Nissan Australia operated club that was then handed over to the owners when Nissan no longer wanted to fund it. So it, it, it had its it fairly uh, um, official origins. That helped us to, you know, maintain links to some of the motorsports teams. And through that, there was a one person who went around and bought all of the former um, Australian touring car Nissan cars. He had each and every one throughout the generations. From, from the, the Bluebird of the 80s, the Turbo Bluebird to every single DR30, R31, R32 Skylines. He had them all. And he and, and and I was I was involved in the club in in an administrative sense, and he invited a few of us for a, a private viewing of his collection. I, I'll never forget what it was like because because we we met after work, and it, it was it was it was a winter, so it was it's already dark by the time we all meet, and and he he lives he he well his house was out. Uh, in in semi-rural areas, right, and and a lot of very wealthy people live there because they get the privacy, you know, have a, a big house with multiple garages well off the main road, and it was this sort of I, I was expecting this sort of thing, but I rock up. It's actually a very humble little house, triple car garage, not you know, eight nine car garage, triple car garage, but we're all pull up in his driveway. He comes out of his his um front door he waves at us he hits a button on his um on his remote and the middle garage door starts rolling up and there are the quad tail lights of the uh, 1991 baffist winning r32 gtr you know, in, in 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 the nissan livery nice. you know there it is the actual winning car scaife and, and richards 
He then proceeded to, to show us all of the little cheats every single car had. Every single car had a cheat. For instance, V and 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 if you go to YouTube now, there's a video of um, Mark Scaife who drove that car. It, it's it's a very car that I that I'm talking about. There's a technical video of it where he got, gets reunited with a car and he starts showing some of the features. And one of the features that, that we got shown and, and Mark Scaife talks about was was there was a panel in the center console that you could flip down. And there was a little um, pneumatic uh, brass valve there that you could turn to increase the boost. The scrutineers <sighs> didn't know it was there, but the drivers knew it was there. Oh, dirty rottens. Dirty yeah. rottens. <laughs> All of these kind of things, you know. And, and, and you just think, if this team is doing it, certainly the other teams are doing it because you know the engineers get hired between the teams the the team bosses move from team to team to team to team you know drivers move around this knowledge this this um approach it's it's everywhere and it's it's all about the competitive edge and so you know long story circling all the way back when we move into to sim racing you know, there are things that are happening there as well that maybe are not in super public, but but sort of the knowledge gets shared, such as as the cuts. When it gets too public, then you know rulings need to be put into place to address them. But well, come on, guys, spill your secrets, Chris. Keep <laughs> done. What are your secrets with DR2? How the hell are you so fast? <laughs> so well, I think Chris needs to answer that one. He's faster than me. <laughs> Long tarmac. <laughs> we make a good team, me and John. He's great on tarmac, and I'm great on dirt. There's got to be a secret, right? Is it, are you overclocking your GPU? Is that somehow giving you nitro boost? Well, what the I, hell? What's going I, on? I play my when I stream and I do my esports. I play at 45 FPS, stroke 50. 45 on, to 50 on on with the headset on. With the headset That's on. Damn. No, but that's only on the night night stages and the really graphic oh. enhanced ones. But it runs a roughly about 55, 60 FPS, and it's really steady. So 60 yeah. is good enough. The steadiness, I think, is is, is you know, key. stability is is um, probably way more important than outright frame rate for well, for us. Because um, no good if you know your um, your game ca can run at 144 um, FPS if every now and then it dips below 30, like it, it's constantly fluctuating. <laughs> that would that would drive you nuts. Just just imagine that, that, that suddenly suddenly things are slowing down as you're you're coming to a hairpin, right? As you're breaking into a hairpin, everything slows down. And you don't know have I broke? Have I broke? Uh, is is it, is, it, is, it, is that enough braking? And suddenly it speeds back up to one forty four fps. It's like oh no, not enough braking. Off you go. Um, Freeze frame before the hairpin, and suddenly reappears <laughs> yes. after the hairpin. That's happened many times. And you get you <laughs> get yeah. it's accelerated as the game catches up. Um, yeah, steady fps is definitely the key, even at low fps forty five. <laughs> well, I know it's not. I know people don't accept it, but. If, they do say 45 minimum for driving. So, so yeah. So not, go over. Do, do, do you guys do most of your competitive esports racing live streaming? Or do you find yourself looking at 
as sort of trying to maintain sanity and not have the distraction of streaming when you're doing it's sports? a very good question Wolver. very yes. good question it is that's another balancing trick each person has balance. to take on themselves balance do you do them all on stream do you, do you showcase the esports all, all the time do i do it offline to drive faster do it, i don't know it's just it's i just stop thinking about it and just do them when i want i think, yeah, I, think um, I don't know i don't know if chris if you keep experimenting with different things but i do I, i'm always experimenting with different things in the last couple of weeks in fact basically last week because all the new season started last week I took a different approach because I know that people don't like sort of being restricted in chat. I know that people don't like um, not hearing text-to-speech. So I took the view to redirect my text-to-speech into a different set of a different sound output and mute that to sound output so I wouldn't hear it while I'm racing. So it would simulate being off stream whilst being on stream. Um, the thing is, it's better to race off stream because you can focus. But if you race on stream, you've got video evidence and people can see that you don't, you're not doing everything twice. You're not recording off stream and then streaming live as well. So, right. um, and certainly with the amount of esport events we're in now, uh, time is, I'd say everything I do in Dirt Rally 2 is on stream now. So that's it. It's, it's yeah. a huge yeah, time me too. Me too now. I might do a few clubs offline and things like that but yeah my, 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 in my first I want to do esports every time if possible on my stream but Which, you, you know because you have a stream to manage you know, yeah it's difficult it's difficult you know you, you, like you say I think we talked about this in other you know you're always thinking you're always trying to move forward developing your stream how can I get better how can I do this you know and that's one of my things I'm thinking I want to do esports I want to sort of showcase esports the battle rollers our community so I've got to develop and, that now yeah. Your audience, our audience, for the most part, uh, understands this. Um, it, it, you know, if they know that you're participating in esports, they they tend to, you know, chill out and and let you do your thing. So it's 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 become an important uh, thing for you guys, obviously. I, I think the balance. I, I feel like the balance, based on last year's experience and starting up again last week, I think the balance is say one esport to two esport events if they're not too long at the earlier part of the stream. Moving on to something more community based and fun afterwards is the right, right. balance. Yeah, um, that, sounds that was what I tried to achieve last year, and I think it worked very well. This season, certainly last week, it was almost completely dedicated to esports. And uh, I mean, to be completely frank, it's an audience killer because it's, it kills chat. You know, you're not interacting with you. Yep. Your people that have come to watch you, and, uh, and so I, I'm missing out because I'm not interacting with friends, and they're they're not having a, a good social interaction with in the channel. So um, it's a difficult thing to master. I think uh, I think stepping down the number of events I'm in and uh, and doing one per stream would probably be the right balance. Mm, that's what I, that's what I do with John. I only do one esports mm. stream. I don't do any more one. That's it, mm. because obviously you're as a driver, sim driver, you're always thinking where do I perform best and I always feel I perform best as I start driving or, or not start streaming my first hour driving is always seems to be the hottest so that's the Refresh. reason why I do yeah, yeah. like I do I do I do stream in the afternoon you see some days I'll just you know if I I'll just sleep until 10 o'clock on occasion very rare recently <laughs> but over the last few weeks when nobody's been off sick, I haven't worked Monday to Friday. I worked Saturday and Sunday, so I've been sleeping until 10 o'clock. I got up over one and thought, God, I feel really refreshed. Look, I'm going to drive fast today. <laughs> it's it's that, that competitive edge we, we were talking about. You know, I, I have to drive first thing in the morning because if I drive late, like 
you know, my performance is already shocking enough. It, you don't you don't want to see me driving at at, <laughs> at the end of, of of my night when I'm I'm super sloppy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm willing to get up early. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Just and, to perform mediocre. You, the biggest, <laughs> the biggest thing I find is if I do say an esports event early on and I'm not talking much, and then I move on to chatting with everyone and it's less stressful. Um, it's fine. I can go to the end of the stream no problem. But if I'm doing like currently, I'm doing two esports events per per stream. It means that come the end of the stream, I'm tired, very tired. It's late at yeah. night. I've done two really focused events, and then I've got to think of the energy to try and talk to people and restart interacting with people where perhaps they've gone quiet or maybe moved on to another channel and it is a difficult thing so having the energy to uh, not be entertaining but to, just, to, just to ask questions of people and get involved with people um, when yeah. you're on your bump stops tired it's you know and, and that's the thing so people underestimate how much energy it takes to sim race uh, in yeah. rallying specifically I mean we're talking every muscle in your body is engaged every every nerve is firing and when you come to the end of the stage all of that stops and that adrenaline just <laughs> plummets down again and then you pick Whoa. it back up for the next stage it, well, it is exhausting uh, especially 12 stage rally sometimes Wolfie, i've got i've sat down in my chair first thing in stream and drove crazy and i've been shaking like that with yeah. adrenaline after the first event just that you know just letting it all out it just it, gets you it's a, Anybody that gets in the seat understands that. Uh, looking at it from outside the seat, not so much. <laughs> the, the wonderful thing, though, um, is that you know when we're in our sim rigs, normally our beds aren't too far away, or our couches <laughs> aren't too far away if 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 we need them. You know, I I, I know Joe Valor. You know, as soon as he's done with a stream, he's straight to the couch, feet up. <laughs> he oh. wanted to laugh on the big screen. I can so relate to that. Um, I can as well. <laughs> during, during, during my um, uh, few uh, real-life track days, um, the track that I would frequent is a three-hour drive away on the freeway. Not Bathurst, unfortunately, uh, which is also three hours. <laughs> but uh, a much smaller and cheaper track to hire out um, three hours to the south of me. Um, but... I would normally be so excited for a track day because they're so sparse. You rarely get the opportunity to do one, you know. But and and, and the, the amount of again, it's, it's just to re relay the amount of effort it took just to get a car on the track back in the day, you know. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have these things coming up for months. I knew months ahead that they were happening. Um, you know, we'd we'd have to meet. To convoy down at uh, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. because uh, our cars would have to be screwed and neared before they were allowed on the track. Then there was a driver briefing, and then of course because they're so rare, you you spend the whole damn day getting as much track time as possible. None of this, you know, I'm going to drive for 40 minutes and drive an hour, and I'm going to take a break and drive again. It's like no, I'm I'm pounding the track as much as I possibly can for this day because it could be months until the next one. And all that adrenaline you were talking about, you guys are talking about, you know, that, that courses through your body for the whole day, you know, you, you get out on track, you come back off, you're, you're so excited, you're so happy, you're talking to everybody who will bloody listen, you know, you cheer your friends on on the track, and then you've got to drive home. Night <laughs> Staying falls. awake after you've spent everything. <laughs> yeah, three yep. hours of freeway driving. 
to try to get home. I've been driving all day. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's something I, I I certainly don't miss that that component of of doing track days. There there is definitely things I miss about doing real life track days. You know, the real life G forces, even with a motion rig, you don't you don't get one to one. Uh, replication of, of, of real life G forces, especially especially when you spin out. Wow, wow, that that feeling. <laughs> but I will say, um, you know, I just got VR recently, and even without motion, VR can just put that sense of motion into your head so strongly. It's alarming. It's alarming. I, I, you feel stuff. Yeah, you feel it. Feel. You feel, you feel stuff it. Like you shouldn't feel. Oh. It memory. It comes memory feel. <laughs> I I drove a daily on Monty, um, and I think it was two thousand cc downhill. It felt slippery. I felt the car was floaty and had no grip, and I'm, it it was uncanny. Um, but I would say, just like, you know, going from a controller to a wheel. I think there's an adjustment period as well. Yeah. Going to VR. Well, I, controller's four fingers, isn't it? That's all you have to do. Yeah. I, I, I tell eye, you. Move your eyeballs and four fingers. And a, and a controller is what, 60 bucks? Yeah, piece of cake. Piece of cake. <laughs> and and that, that, that is an expectation uh, a challenger as well, right? People who go from... Uh, I mean, I experienced this myself. You go from a controller to a wheel... And you think, well, you know, this this is the more natural, more intuitive interface. I'm going to be faster. Uh, sort of not quite what happens for most of us, anyway. Some people might immediately immediately get it. The amount of overcorrecting that occurs when you go from a controller to a wheel. I, I think one of the big <laughs> things is understanding the weight transfer. Suddenly, it's a whole different thing with the wheel versus the controller. One of the big factors as well is that. Uh, it relies on your competence to set up, and I think that's yep. both. That's both wheel and VR, because you got to set up your VR, and there are so many factors to setting up your VR. You got to set up your wheel, your input, your force feedback. I think there's there's a lot of stuff. I think those those are are big things that, that you can spend weeks or months uh, working on as well. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 excited about VR and and, and really uh, eager to to get into a bit more. Um, but uh, something I wanted to, to, to say earlier about um, uh, getting back to equipment and competitiveness, um, you know, while you do have all of these things to, that, that can get you the competitive edge, uh, there are so many people who have proved you don't need it. You absolutely don't need it. You know, we see people like Mecha Mike on a keyboard, right? Yep. Just and I yep. know there's somebody else in I think who runs JRC who's super fast mm. on a keyboard. Snakey fifteen. Snakey one one five. Yep, Austrian guy. A lot of people also with just a basic controller, keyboard yep. controller. I mean, and the guys that are running in Chase View with those controllers that blows my mind. I mean, they're throwing yeah. that car around. They know every centimeter of that track, how much swing they can get out of it, when to turn it. You don't get that, I think, when you're in the cockpit. You don't get that sensation when you're in chase gear. What is that advantage and disadvantage? Sorry, John. It's muscle... No, sorry, it's, it's muscle memory, I was going to say. I think yeah. if you've spent a thousand hours with a controller, you, you, you yeah. get very good with the controller. It's muscle memory. And 
the car is a thing on the screen that you're directing around a course it, rather than it being uh, with a wheel in car in cockpit you're feeling like you're driving a car um, I mean, look, that's my view. I, so I've always gone for the immersion angle. That's why I have everything yes. I have is for right. immersion, yep. not for speed or not to be the fastest, but for immersion to feel it. So, mm. absolutely, immersion is the main thing. Absolutely, that that, it, and and that's why it it actually doesn't matter what control mechanisms you use, what hardware you you really have, if you have the capability to adapt to it and do what's needed again and, and again this is competitive edge right can can you do what's needed because uh, a lot of us will say take uh, um you know imagine taking a formula rim a formula wheel a, a flat wheel um that's only got 180 degrees of rotation and driving that thing in chase cam we'd probably you know spend all of five minutes and go nah this i i can't do this this is this is awful but somebody who is willing to spend the time is willing to do what it takes can get fast with it you know it's it's just about learning the muscle memory like what do you need to do to control okay well with 180 degrees of rotation now i'm not i'm not doing these right i'm i'm probably keeping my my arms right tight up against my chest and just moving my my wrists just a little bit to steer it's, it's all of these sort of things um that, that come into play uh when when you know you you want to be competitive and you know, you you got only what you have to work with. I know. I remember reading about one of the top eye racers um, who won some some big big tournament with with a cash prize or, or, or some league. And uh, when it was revealed, you know, his sim racing setup, he had uh, I think it was a G twenty five on a laptop and um he had his he, he he had a he he was he would sit on his bed um and some table pulled up to his bed but his his wheel was mounted on then a, a laptop stand with a phone book to get the monitor up to his eye level <laughs> you know but he had that he had that that competitive spirit he did what he he, he needed to do to, to get there so yeah it's 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 that balance for us do, do do we do we just do you just want to win or do you want to experience you know do, do you want to replicate being in the car and 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 that sort of you know what we we're talking about earlier john you know um now i get to sort of sort of experience what it would be like to driving this car and maybe i want to race the car as well um yeah it's it's it it, it, it is today. it is yeah I just been today doing a six-hour race in a Dallara P217, driving it around Silverstone, six-hour race. I mean, I can't imagine ever at any point in life experiencing that yeah. without being able to do it in sim racing. It's just never going to happen. And yep. it's an experience. I mean, the force feedback, the cars, the, the downforce, the high downforce nature of the car, it's incredible. That's that's that, that, I, I love the sim racing for that aspect of it, experiencing these things. Awesome. Fascinating subject today, guys. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, John and um, and Chris for for joining in. Wolvie, as always, I think um, we're good to, to wrap up there. I, th I think we could actually continue chatting about sim rigs and competitiveness forever, but may maybe we'll we'll save for uh, future episodes. I, I I think, I think we so. could we could do an episode on sim rigs alone. Yes, absolutely. Sure. I think there's so why, much why to talk to? about there. 
the, the yeah. various uh, manufacturers obviously out there how you put everything together how you how you bring it all together to make it make it work for the, you the the, the frills the joys the pains um <laughs> I think that the do's and don'ts. The do's and don'ts, and <laughs> the do, don't don't do what rain did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> learning is fun, um, but for now, I I, I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap it up uh, there um, for episode seven. Uh, likely, the next episode will will be in in two weeks' time. Uh, we'll we'll work out. Um, I think we'll have a, a another new guest likely for next week, but uh, next episode. But we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, for now, um, yep, we've we've got this here on on YouTube, uh, on Spotify, on iTunes, on um, on Google Podcasts. Uh, but for now, thank you very much. Uh, we'll goodbye, everybody. Wave Take goodbye. Care. Thank Thanks you, everybody. Take care. Thanks for inviting us. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs>